On this episode of Drinks With Thinks, we've got our first race car driver on the show, fellow Toronto Maple Leafs fan, Indy car driver James Hinchcliffe. We discuss his preparation for the Indy 500 qualifying next week, what kind of mental fortitude was required to get back on the track after a massive accident in 2015, and he tells us which athletes from other sports would prevail in a hypothetical Indy car race. Better watch out for Mike Trout. Now, all this racing talk has me white-knuckling this bourbon, but thank God we are sipping that on this show. This is Drinks With Things. Hey guys, welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks, and today I'm excited to make some history here on the show. We are having our first ever race car driver, also someone from God's country, one of my Canadian brethren, and you will know him as IndyCar driver. He's also a podcast host and a bourbon connoisseur, and in that note, I would like to raise my bourbon to the one and only James. James Hinchcliffe, who is uh, returning to the track full-time this season for Andretti Autosports IndyCar driver. Thank you so much for being on the show, and cheers to you, buddy. Well, You've done so much. Well, Thanks for having having a little sip of bourbon with us. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, not often you get invited into something where they encourage you to drink bourbon while we do it, so I'll come on anytime you want. This is great. <laughs> cheers. Yes, I'm very excited to start this off with... Mm-hmm. Smooth. And you, we're going to get to it later on in the show, but you have your, your own sort of bourbon company that you're drinking right now. Actually, let's, let's, let's plug that bad boy right now. What do you got going on? So basically how, how it works is, you know, I, I, um, I've got a foundation that my wife and I started, uh, called the stop and go foundation. And, and right now we're trying to raise money for the red cross blood donations, a big, uh, big thing for me. I had a bad accident a while back, needed a bunch of blood. So it's kind of been my thing ever since. So I also, so I like giving back. I like helping. I also like bourbon. I found a way to kind of tie the two together by reaching out to different distilleries and, uh, and getting these barrels to buy for the charity. And then we sell them off to raise money for the foundation. So the one I'm drinking today is our, our current offer, which is an, an old Hamer. Uh, it's a, a very old label that was resurrected by a company here in Indianapolis called West Fork Whiskey. So we did a, a barrel taste of their cask strength. And uh, took the barrel home and uh, bottled it up, and now we sell it uh, sell it for uh, for charity. So everybody wins. That's great. And I mean, you have your your you're so involved in all these different enterprises, but the main one is, of course, being on the track, getting ready for the Indy 500 practice. We know that that is coming up. What what sort of goes into just being able to get yourself? ready mentally and physically for a race like this well i mean the indy 500 obviously is it's unique in a lot of ways uh but you know it's it's our longest race of the year 500 miles we're usually in the car for three and a half maybe four hours depending on you know the pace of the race yellow flags things like that and so you, the, you kind of brought it up the mental side of it is huge i mean maintaining the kind of focus that you have to to drive an indy car at 200 plus miles an hour with 32 other yahoos on the track for that amount of time is is intense so we do a lot of you know different different drivers have different ways they do it you know i work with a mental coach i do a lot of simulation work some visualization stuff and just um we do a lot of, there's a couple apps that i play that are you know about about focus and attention and things like that um anything you can do to try to get most drivers naturally have ADD, which is a really bad thing. But, you know, we, you try to break through that with some of these different mm. techniques. 
Um, and then the, the physical side of it, you know, the, driving an IndyCar is incredibly physical. The G-forces that you experience are insane. The temperature in the cockpit is outrageous. Like we'll lose almost 10 pounds just during the Indy 500, mostly water weight. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's not a great diet because it all comes back as soon as you get out of the car and, and rehydrate. But uh, like, how do you, how is it, how does one lose 10 pounds during a race? So it's, you know, you're obviously working hard. So you are burning calories, you're burning energy, but a lot of it is just water weight. You know, it's so hot in the cars. Um, we, we don't have air conditioning, you know, we, we have a very small amount of water and fluid that we can drink during the race. So it gets hot when you're working that hard and you're wearing Nomex suits and helmets and all sorts of stuff. So it's, yeah, it's, it's not pretty. Yeah, that I mean, it's always so fascinating. Do you ever so when you're racing, you you talk about the mental aspects of being like, you know, very dialed in. Do you ever race, especially say ND 500 and you realize, oh, wow, 10 laps have just gone by or not whatever there. But like, wow, you know, oh, here I am. You know, I zoned out because I've just been so dialed in. I mean, sometimes, yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of a lot of times as a driver, you try to like get into that zone and you almost you almost want driving the car to be a subconscious thing, right? So you're almost not thinking about it; it's just happening. Uh, and so, yeah, you can't, especially if you're locked into a battle with another driver, and it takes you five, ten, fifteen laps maybe to get around them, and then you finally do, and then you're out, you're out in clean air. You're like, wait, how long did that take? How long were we doing that? Like, I was just so locked in that moment. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's definitely something that can happen. Yeah, and you know, you sort of brought it up earlier, but your connection with um, uh, Red Cross, uh, being able, you know, blood donation because of the accident that you went through in 2015. What kind of work mentally did you have to do to get to the point? And maybe you are, 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 have you gotten past it? Like, do you think about it when you're racing at all? No. So, you know, it's funny after, you know, the accident and I started getting back into a car. A lot of people were like, oh, you know, do you feel different? You know, has it changed you at all? And I always said that professionally, no, it didn't. You know, I was I was still willing to take the same risks and, you know, accept the same risks. I was still going to push myself and push the car just as hard. As far as I was concerned, the accident never really happened at a racetrack, you know? So part of part of how I tackled the recovery was actually disassociating anything that I was going through, any of the pain, any of the rehab, any of that stuff with the race car or the racetrack or anything like that. It was just something that happened. Didn't matter where, why, or how mm -hmm. it just happened. And so kind of separating what I was going through with what actually caused it, I think really helped me get back in a car and, and really not think about it. Okay. So on the flip side, what's it like driving a normal car? So this is funny because I'm a bit of an outlier here compared to my colleagues. A lot of my colleagues are very liberal with their, you know, driving on the road, mm. but very in control. I mean, they're professionals, right? But the way I've always looked at it is when I'm on the racetrack, right, I'm surrounded by 20 something professionals who have dedicated their lives to learning how to do this craft. You're in a race car that's designed to keep you safe. You've got six seatbelts and a helmet. You're at a track that's designed to keep you safe. You've got a, a team of safety workers and medics 30 seconds away should something happen. Mm -hmm. On the road, you have literally none of that. Like any jerk can jump behind the wheel of a car, be texting or or, or drunk oh, or shaving yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's crazy what you see on the road. And you're not in as like, yeah, cars today are very safe, but they're not as safe as an Indy car. And here's the thing. I've hit stuff, right? Most people haven't hit stuff in a car. 
it really hurts. And that's in that really <laughs> protected environment that I'm normally in. I've hit stuff going 50. I've hit stuff going 80. I've hit stuff going 120. I've hit stuff going 220. It sucks. I never want to hit stuff in a road car. So I'm a very boring, bland, safe, stupid driver on the road. Sounds like you probably shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car for the <laughs> amount of things you've hit. I'm just joking. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the right industry for you. That's probably Jokes. true. That's probably um, true. I've been in a car accident as well, but not my fault as um, uh, I won that case. Uh, we gotta gotta ask you though, um, you know, you've got IndyCar, uh, sorry, Indy 500 coming up, and this year you guys get fans back again, and you kind of have some of the, the the pomp and circumstance of the whole whole event. What do you think? What do you, you know, what do you expect from, from that? It's just going to feel so much better. You know, last year for the first time in the 105 year history of the race, we didn't run it in May. We ran it in August and we ran it without fans. And I got to tell you, it felt so strange. It felt like a practice day. Like the race didn't feel mm. like the race. It felt like we were all just there doing like a dress rehearsal. You know, it's like, okay, we got <laughs> through that. Let's do the race next week. Let's go. But, uh, you know, this year, 135,000 people are going to be allowed there. So it's going to be pretty much the largest gathering of people in one place, you know, in a stadium since this all started. The Indy 500's always been the largest single day sporting event on planet Earth anyway. It's normally 300 plus thousand people, uh, you know, at the track there. So it, it's just going to be so nice. It's going to be so nice going there and having, you know, fans having you know, seeing that and, and hearing that and feeling that. So I think we're all just super excited, even though it's still limited and, and some of the ancillary stuff that are traditions, of the 500 aren't going to happen this year. It's baby steps. And, you know, we're, we're headed towards a normal 2022, hopefully. You'll still hopefully have the milk though, right? Oh, the milk will always be there. Yes. If the cars are running, okay. the milk will be there. And quick question before we go to break, do they ask you what kind of milk? They do. Ahead of time. They do. Oh, you actually get a little survey thing, right? And this is this is actually a bone of contention with me. Okay, so the whole milk tradition started in the '30s uh, with a guy named Louis Meyer, and when he won the race, he he really craved. I don't I don't don't know why, but he craved a bottle of uh, or a glass of buttermilk, and I don't know if you've ever Ooh. had or seen or smelt or tasted buttermilk. It is awful stuff on its own. But that's that's what he wanted. That's how the tradition started. And so for the longest time, they would give you an option. You could have your 2% milk. You could have skim milk. You could have uh, right. buttermilk. And then a few years ago, they took buttermilk <laughs> off the list because, A, very few drivers actually chose it. And, B, nobody really wants to drink it. But, like, I like the tradition yeah. of it. So I always wanted it. And I've, I've been writing sternly sternly worded letters to the Indiana Dairy Farmers Association trying to campaign to get buttermilk back on the list. I love that. I just, I, I think I love that passion. You got to get that history back. I assume you're probably not chugging it, but also you've just lost 10 pounds. So why not? YOLO, drink that buttermilk. Sounds like it's kind of tasty. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know what? It's tasty is some bourbon and we are drinking and thinking here with IndyCar driver James Hinchcliffe. We've got a whole lot more to come after the break. Don't go anywhere. Hey, what's up? It's Sean Lights Out Merriman and we just play Lights Out on drinks with Binks. Welcome back into Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB, and we are very excited to be joined by our first race car driver, IndyCar driver, James Hinchcliffe. 
we are sipping on a little bourbon with my Canadian brethren here. And now we're going to play a little game. <laughs> we thought, you know, there's a lot of athletes, a lot of sports out there that think that they can, uh, that they can drive race cars, whatever, all that kind of stuff. But we thought what would be fun is if we put them hypothetically in a car and had them race each other. And based off your experience in right. the driving world, who you think would win and why. Okay. So we're going like to go through it. a couple different sports. Are you ready for who you got? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. In the NHL, we've got Austin Matthews versus Connor McDavid. Who would win in an IndyCar race and why? That's tough. I mean, look, obviously Austin plays for my Leafs, so I'm like naturally inclined to want mm -hmm. him to win. But I think the real the real differentiator yes. here is he's rocking that kind of dirty, but also kind of awesome mustache, which back in like the heyday of racing, there were a couple legends yes. that rocked the stash. So Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, two guys at the absolute top of their game. But I think the stash is going to give a little edge to to, uh, to Austin. Yeah, you know what? I I thought that that was going to be what was going to be the deciding factor. I think he would be a fantastic IndyCar driver just based it's on it's it's free lap time. It's just it's just two tenths. Yeah. And I know speaking of stash, a nice little note this year, of course, that you have uh, you know mustache that's dedicated to your late father on your helmet which is uh, a sign of, uh, you know, it's nice to have him with you, I'm sure. For sure, for sure, yeah. Course. He was, uh, he loved being at the track, and so now he gets to be there all the time. Awesome. All right, okay, well, let's move on to the NBA. We don't think these guys would fit in the cars, but if they could, right. LeBron James versus Kevin Durant. Who would win in an IndyCar race and why? All right, I mean, I got to be honest, KD's really tall, man. He would... He would not fit well. He'd be very uncomfortable in one of those things. You know, I got to think, uh, I got to think LeBron, even if you had to get, obviously we're talking about extended cars here because neither one of them would fit in an actual yes. car. But even in the extended car, I think KD's going to be too cramped up. I think LeBron's got a better build for it. And on that alone, you got to be comfortable to go fast. Mm -hmm. True. You're right. We've, we've, uh, Kevin Durant, she's a little too lanky to get into that car. This, Katie's going to be coming for my back at some point because it seems like every episode we end up giving like some kind of <laughs> slag off to him. <laughs> okay, let's get this one down. NFL, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. Who would win in an IndyCar race and why? See, that's probably the toughest matchup yet because there are kind of two kinds of drivers. And there was a great example of this back in the 80s and early 90s in Formula One uh, between these two crazy title rivals, Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost, right? So the one style is like super technical, very common collected. When you watch them drive, they almost look boring and you're surprised they're as fast as they are, but very precise and technical. Then there's kind of like the raw, just pure talent, like just taking a car and strangling the speed out of it, right? I think you've got the technical guy in Brady, but I think you've got the raw driving talent in Rodgers. Plus, Rodgers did date Danica Patrick mm. for a while and may have picked up a couple tips. So oh. as I respect Tom Brady, I think Rodgers is going to take this one. Also can rock a pretty impressive stash. Man, there's so many points there in Aaron Rodgers' favor. I totally forgot. He would have definitely, yep. he would have been taking notes from Danica Patrick. Def fact, okay. I think that's why he dated her was because he knew that he was going to be featured on this segment on this show and wanted to make sure he beat Tom Brady. Yeah, no, but Aaron Rodgers totally would date her 
Also, yeah, to get notes from her so that someday he could win in an IndyCar race. Okay, this is for this to you and I, uh, Canadians here. Last one. We got two icons from Canada. We got Justin Bieber taking on Drake. Who would win in an IndyCar race and why? Oh, man. Here's the thing. They both have very impressive car collections. So they probably both have a little bit of experience driving fast. Justin getting caught yes. doing it more and ending up in jail more. Um, True. So you know what? I think I'm going to give this one to Drake. I think Drake is ah. he's better at eluding, you know, the authorities when racing his uh, his sports car collection, it seems. Love it. You know, we'll start from the bottom. Now we're here. We've got a whole lot more to get to after the break. So don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Adnan Burke, and I celebrated the Dodgers winning the World Series with Canada's finest exports since Michael J. Fox. That's right, my girl, Julie Stewart-Binks. JSB, yeah! Welcome on back to Drinks and Things. I'm JSB, joined by Hinch. Uh, we're going to call you that because that's cooler, yeah, as We're you doing said. our nicknames. Indy car driver. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting ready for the Indy 500, and you are a full-time driver now this year, back again. But last year, you spent some time doing some broadcasting with NBC. Having had the experience watching the sport, now with that back on the track, what do you? In what way has it helped you? You know, it's what's so cool about being on you know that side of things, right? Is you know when you're a driver, you go back and you watch all the races, right? It's, equivalent of like watching film, like watching tape and football or hockey or whatever. But what's, what's different is on, on the racetrack, you have like 24, 26 guys, however, however many guys are in the race, you have all those different races happening at the same time. And the broadcast can only cover a couple of those, you know, the couple up front, maybe there's a cool Mm -hmm. story mid pack, but for the most part, you maybe understand what happened in four drivers races, right? So it's hard to pick apart what everybody's doing and 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 pick up anything that could be helpful watching the broadcast. But when you're when you're there, when you're on the ground, you see way more than what ends up making it in the show because you only have so much time and you have to talk about certain things, right? So for me, being on the ground there, whether it was in pit lane or in the booth, getting to kind of see the mm. entire race and, and understand what all 24, 26 drivers were going through how their races ended up where they did because sometimes you look at the result sheet and you just see so and so finished eighth and you're like okay okay day decent top 10 day whatever but you don't know the story behind why they were eighth were they a 16th place card that finished eighth were they a third place card that finished eighth was it a good day was it a bad Mm -hmm. day and so it, it gave me like a lot of insight into how all these different races unfold at the same time that's very interesting. And, and, you know, before I move on to um, your podcast that you have, I'd be curious, you guys from afar, when when I watch, you know, it's like you have your, your teammates, of course, you guys have like a strategy of like how to help one another. And then on, on top of that, what if you end up being like neck and neck with one of your teammates? Like, do you guys decide ahead of time? Like, hey, I got this race if I'm number one. No, no, no. It's it's every man for himself on Sunday. So like the the it's an interesting dynamic though. It's a great point, right? So basically how it works is, you know, I drive for Andretti Autosport. We have four cars on the team and everything up until the green flag on Sunday, we are in each other's corners and we're trying to help. 
And so we have very limited practice on a race weekend. So what we'll do is one guy will test a couple things. Another guy will test a couple things, et cetera, et cetera. Then after the session, we'll get together. We share everything. We tell each other what worked, what didn't. You pick all the best settings from that session, go to the next session and repeat, right? Because the more you help each other, ultimately, the faster you become. And so the whole team moves up the grid. Hmm. But then once the race starts, okay. it's kind of every man for himself. And there are scenarios where if one guy's having a really bad day and something's already gone wrong, he's clearly not in the fight for a good position, but he's maybe in a position where he can help somebody on the team. That happens. That's not unheard of. Right. It's not like a before yeah, the race. Yeah, it does. It happens. Yeah, but it's not like before the race. You're like, okay, you can have this one because I won last week. That's that's not how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to find a curious where it's like, you know, you can help like fend off one guy so the other guy can get ahead. But then like, what if you're against your teammate? But yes. Yeah. You still, you still race each other hard, but like you understand the golden rule is you don't want to take out your teammate, right? That that makes for a very uncomfortable Monday morning <laughs> meeting with the team owner. So you probably give your teammates an inch more room than you might somebody else. But at the end of the day, you're still going to race them hard. I love that. We have a whole lot more to get to with Hinch on Drinks with Binks. We're going to take a quick time out, but we got some bourbon here. We got some bourbon because we're talking in Indianapolis 500 coming up after the break. I hate that I just did that. <laughs> Subscribe to the Fubo Sports YouTube page for clips and full episodes. Follow us at Fubo Sports on all social media channels. Also available in podcast form wherever you find your favorite pods. Guys, we've had an awesome time drinking and binking here with James Hinchcliffe. And James, where can we find you and all of your great content and activities next? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, all social media, it's at Hinchtown, uh, the mythical town that I'm the mayor of, self-proclaimed, never run against. So we'll take that. Uh, and then, of course, <laughs> if you want to check out the, the podcast, anywhere you can find your podcast, Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. We also air on Sirius uh, on Thursdays, Channel 212. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you're in Indianapolis, come check out our restaurant, Root and Bone, 46 in college. That's always a fun one. But most importantly, please find a place to go donate blood. Get on redcross.org. Look up a place. They're doing pop-ups all over, all over the world, all, all over the country right now. Pandemic may have slowed things down, but I promise you the need for blood has not slowed down. So get up there. It costs you nothing. It doesn't hurt. And you're saving lives. That's all I got. That's that's great. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, spreading that message, telling us all of the, the great opportunities that, that you're involved in. And of course, as we are a Canadian hosted show, Canada cannot wait to see you win the Indy 500 in a very short amount of time. Thank you so much. Bottoms up for being on the show here today. And guys, you know where you can find us. Uh, all of our social clips are on YouTube. You can watch the show again. You can watch so many other shows on YouTube. I can never get this at Fubo Sports. And until next time, bottoms up, bitches. Bye.